For those just tuning in, I just want to let you know that this is a fairly odd episode of Built to Play. It's been a rough couple weeks for people who like to play and make video games. As you already know, or perhaps you're about to find out. Anyway, we had a full episode of Built to Play planned, but we couldn't stop talking about a couple of issues. So it didn't seem right to mix things in arbitrarily. Consider this the closest thing we'll ever produce to an after-school special, or a very special episode. Enjoy. Welcome to Built to Play, your dose of video game news and culture. I'm Armin Bali, And I'm Daniel Rosen. This week, video games are banned forever. Back in late August, the jilted ex-boyfriend of indie developer Zoe Quinn posted a metric ton of personal information about her. The blog he set up included chat logs, photos, and text conversations between the two, which he then used to claim that she was unfavorable to him and that her current relationship was proof of corruption in games journalism. So let's get this out of the way right here, right now. It doesn't matter if this information is true or not. In fact, it shouldn't even enter into the conversation. Posting your ex's personal info on the internet is an awful shitty thing to do, as is asking the internet to bring you your retribution. Especially since a lot of people decided to fulfill that request. Attacking anyone who seemed close to Zoe Quinn, or criticized games that weren't popular with a very small segment of the audience. Looking at the aftermath of the vitriol and harassment is Emma Woolley. Hi, Emma. Hi. She's a community manager and a writer for newspapers like The Globe and Mail. She's concerned that a small part of the video game community is overshadowing a much larger diversity of players. Now, a lot of people who have been... uh doing the harassment, uh, have called themselves real gamers. Now, when I say the word gamer, who do you imagine I'm talking about? Um, I'm imagining, you know, a very small but vocal minority of people who play video games um, who experience an extreme sense of entitlement over those games, what they look like, who they're made for, and who can discuss and make games as well. So they're they're kind of the self-imposed gatekeepers of this hobby. That's, that's what I think of. To what extent do you think that these players represent the actual continuum of people who play games? I honestly don't think that most people who play video games have this attitude. Um, I don't have specific figures, but I would say that, you know, these are people who grew up with games who feel very connected to them. But again, these people who are harassing women, they're not representative of everyone who's doing it. Um, I think that they just happen to be louder and meaner. This kind of attitude of gatekeeping, um, one thing that's been suggested is the prevalence of uh, male fantasy type games. I think that's part of it. Uh, you know, I, I think that we all play games because it's a hobby, right? Like this is a hobby that tends to be lucrative for some people, some businesses, uh, people who work in the industry, but above all, it's a hobby. Uh, at the gamer level, we do it to escape. You know, you do it to turn your brain off and solve puzzles, or you do it to be really involved in an RPG and have almost a, a different real-life fantasy experience. So there's an element of escapism in gaming that's really important to its appeal. Um, sometimes that fantasy is expressed in, like, adolescent male power fantasies that are very violent. And I think the people who enjoy those kinds of games bristle at the criticism of those games because that's their thing. Um, 
I mean, my response to that is like, you know, I don't think those games are going to go anywhere. But I think what, what we're trying to do is we're trying to expand the idea of what a game is. You know, marketing companies will talk about, you know, those first-person shooters like they're the only games that matter when that's not really the case. Part of it is that Quinn and Sarkeesian are accusing of inserting some kind of politics into their games that didn't exist prior to this. I think that that's a big thing. And, you know, these people... and. Um, I just want to make it clear I'm not talking about all gamers or, or everyone who identifies one, but the kind of people who get angry about this kind of stuff, they're really happy with the way things are, and you know they kind of just want critics to be quiet and they want to keep playing their games, and that's all well and good. Um, they don't have to read or these articles or watch these videos. They can keep playing their games because these games aren't going to go anywhere, um, which is what I find most boggling. You know, People like Sarkeesian, people like myself, people like Zoe most of us are just looking for variety, right? The kind of diversity that we haven't really seen much of in games. And I think that this group feels threatened by that. Um, and that, that all comes back to the gatekeeping aspect, right? From what I can tell, you work in community management and have done a job in social media. Have you seen anything quite like the vitriol that the gaming industry seems to face? I've seen a lot of vitriol in my day. <laughs> um, so... I do think that it has been more pronounced and more organized, at least in my experience in gaming. Uh, but more broadly speaking, you know, uh, in my work, um, you know, in my official community management work, I don't see a lot of it because it's very kind of sanitized discussions. Um, you know, feminism and feminist politics are rarely a part of my work with a design and development agency. However, with my freelance writing and my other social media experiences, it's entirely different. Um, the trend is that if you have these ideas, is that you can definitely expect um, some pretty hateful comments, sometimes emails. Um, it's, it's basically a rite of passage for anyone who publicly writes about those opinions. So combine gaming, uh, you know, uh, a traditionally not friendly environment for women and, you know, feminist ideals, politics, opinions, and you kind of get this perfect storm of, of not great. <laughs> and we've seen a lot of, a lot of gains and we've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of support in that regard. But, you know, for every two steps forward, there's always that one step back. Has there anything that's been hopeful for you recently? Still, Emma's hopeful that the community can evolve. Adult women already make up a larger part of the market than teenage boys. Chances are that means more games focus towards a broader audience than just 15 to 30 year old males. And on top of all that, it's the response to harassment that's made Emma at least a little bit optimistic. The most hopeful thing for me recently with all the Zoe Quinn and Sarkeesian stuff has been how much stronger um, the support for them has been. Like, I remember when Anita first did her Kickstarter a few years ago, um, I, I just felt like, I, feel, I felt now that there's more support and people are more willing to call out this bad behavior and try to do something about it. And it's, I mean, it's terrible that it's happening, but I also strongly feel like there's a really big difference between now and then. And I think the tides are changing, and I think that's partially why these attacks are becoming more and more strong. It's because they can see that. Do you think that there's anything we can do to help mitigate um, these uh, rounds of vitriol? I think calling them, like calling a spade a spade 
is really important. You know, a lot of people who wrote about this issue um, didn't even address the blatant sexism. You know, they were all like, well, what about this? What about these ethics in gaming journalism? And they ignore all these other contexts. So I think that would be helpful in calling things what they are. Um, and continuing to not tolerate this kind of behavior. You know, even if, even if everything Zoe did was true, I don't personally believe it is. But let's, let's say for the sake of this conversation that it was. Um, there's nothing that anyone could do to deserve that kind of backlash and that kind of behavior and harassment. Um, so continuing to call that out and say it's not okay and do something about it will contribute to the kind of change that a lot of us want to see. All right. I'd like to thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Emma Woolley is a Toronto-based writer and community manager. You can find a link to her succinct article discussing the whole issue on our website. That's builttoplay.ca. the actual details of a case. The harassment goes two ways, starting with Zoe Quinn and then back to media critic Anita Sarkeesian. Finally, all together as one terrible mess. It's like an awful Oreo. Let's follow along. So, the first tine of this fork, I guess, was the violence against women segment. Not necessarily physical violence, it never got that bad, we're lucky, uh, but definitely harassment. Immediately following the publication of all that info, Quinn was harassed and attacked by 4chan and Reddit trolls. Quinn was accused of unfaithfulness and sleeping with journalists to get positive coverage along with general issues of nepotism. Akotaku, the site hovering inches above the eye of a storm and all this, made a very clear statement that the supposed breach of ethics never took place. Nathan Grayson, who is Quinn's current boyfriend, writes for Kotaku and wrote about the failed web show game, Cham, in March. Uh, they then started dating in April. It is the only article he has ever written for her for Kotaku, about, about her for Kotaku, and I can't believe we are discussing the romantic lives of two people we've never met. No, this is this stuff is entirely irre- irrelevant. Of course, that doesn't stop the harassment. No, um, of course not. Uh, industry luminaries like Phil Fish spoke up in favor of Quinn, which of course led to the next stage of the disaster zone. As we discussed last week on the show, uh, after a single t- uh, tweet, Phil Fish's company Polytron was hacked and doxxed. Two super cool sounding pyber- py- uh, cyberpunk words that actually mean all of his passwords, records, and banking info were lo- uh, leaked online. According to ex-Polytron staffer Renaud Bedard, their corporate Dropbox was also accessed, meaning even former employees have had their information compromised. It's fun. Uh, after this, Anita Sarkeesian released the latest video in her Tropes vs. Women um, in video game series, which of course garnered her criticism from idiots. Yes. After a continued campaign of internet harassment, tro- uh, trolls moved on to calling her home and her family's home, forcing her to find somewhere else to stay for the time being. Uh, of course, she uh, has tweeted that she's gone to the police, but it is sort of difficult to explain what the problem is when they ask, well, what did you do? And your answer is, I talk about video games on the internet. Yeah. Um, in response, folks like uh, Tim Schafer, you know, head of Double Fine, um, designer of some of our favorite games, um, he uh, he he said, "Hey, look, guys, be reasonable about this. This is this video is very important." Well, he didn't yeah. even say this video is important. Everybody who makes and likes games should watch this because it's important. Yeah, like even you can have you can disagree with it. 
But look, this is it's valuable to have this level of criticism. But of course, people then immediately called for his death. Yeah, which is, I mean, which is really weird considering how much support that guy usually gets and how much respect he garners within the industry itself. People were cheering over the fact that um, one of his games is now going to be localized, for, or not localized, is going to be brought to the PS4. Right, Grim Fandango uh, yeah. uh, remastered. But of course, now I believe people are calling him a waste of space and a way to kill him. This sort of culminated in a fight. I guess, between uh, his followers and the followers of YouTube personality JonTron, uh, who is a man who reviews video games with a parrot. Yeah, um, JonTron has a bad habit of sticking his neck in places. I don't think he's, I don't think that guy's actively malicious. He's just dumb. Like, he doesn't, I just don't think he thinks through a lot of the things he says when he goes online and Well, judging reacts. by the things he said, I don't have any quotes. I didn't take mm-hmm. them down. It was sort of difficult to find everything in the cluster, yep. in the, you know, in the cluster of all that. But it was, uh, it wasn't good, I believe. Yeah. It was a lot of, like, it wasn't that he was against women. It was, yeah. like, it was against her because she was lying or something. Something. It's the general really silly criticisms of Sarkeesian's videos, which are important and very yeah. well made. And... On the other end of this is something called Gamergate. Which uh, is a word taken... I did not realize where it originated. It originated in a tweet from Adam Baldwin. Seriously? Seriously. He tweeted two videos that supposed that... We'll get to it in a second. That this whole Zoe Quinn thing was actually some sort of conspiracy of the indie game Illuminati. Of a cabal of secretive chemtrail-like nonsense. Uh, which he tweeted simply with the words Gamergate. Oh, God. Anyway, the accusation um, was that Zoe Quinn had financial and sexual relations with people in the industry who then covered uh, her games, and now people are on a witch hunt for corrupt journalists and corrupt developers. I can't. I can't. I I really can't. This leads to some particularly stupid people to donate money to an Indiegogo looking to raise legal fees for an investigation into the corruption of the industry. Of course, the Indiegogo didn't disclaim that the person raising money is married to the lawyer he seeks to employ. But, you know, corruption. corruption. Hate everything. Nepotism. You know, it's it's only when it's someone else's problem. It's only when it's a woman. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. That's all this is. They are targeting... The people they are targeting... There was a talk of a protest against yellow journalism at PAX, which encouraged protesters to dress like chocobos to draw mass media attention. And unfortunately, this was too beautiful and hilarious to exist in this horrible climate we're in right now. But just imagine that. Like, let's take a moment of silence. Just imagine a man dressed as a chocobo talking (laughs) to somebody from CNN. (laughs) Uh, you Anderson Cooper. Anderson, Co- Anderson Cooper. Oh no! <laughs> Wait, is he like a friend of Yoshi? Like uh, he's a he's... Moogle with the with the salt and pepper hair <laughs> and the bull, and 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 the love of America's news watching uh, populace. Uh, so, Larry uh, King slime. <laughs> The outpouring of morons got Polygon to then disclose what editor support on Patreon and Kotaku outright banned their writers from using Patreon at all. Because, you know, like, one of the, so one of the reasons is that a lot of these writers had donated to Zoe Quinn's Patreon and other journalists and writers and, and, and this producers. And kind yeah. of sort of, like, reciprocative where Zoe Quinn and uh, Maya Kramer, who is her PR person, yeah. donated back to a lot of journalists' Patreons yeah. and other indie developers' Patreons because that's sort of how Patreon works. Yeah. It's well, and just so you don't, Patreon is kind of like uh, it's kind of like Kickstarter, kind of like Indiegogo, but a more ongoing scale. So if right. you produce something that is not doesn't make sense for a single project, like um, say you're making a movie, that's one project. But if you're making something that has seasons or lasts over time, making a or podcast, ha- a web series, it makes more sense to have incremental. Uh, payments as opposed to one lump sum, right? Kind of like um, like uh, public broadcasting. Where... Exactly, you get paid once a month, once a pe- once a release, wh- however it works. Yeah. 
because, of course, getting angry and stopping the people from giving five bucks to people who need it is so much worse than dropping on a $60 game. I, a lot of this was that these people, these journalists, have an investment now. Yeah. I don't think they understand. Do you want to define the word investment? Yeah. And the real claim here, and we'll, we'll get back to yeah. it, I think, in a second, but the real claim here is people wanting objectivity. Which is impossible. Which is impossible and doesn't exist in this world. Also, they're claiming that these games should be objective. That the games themselves have are apolitical in some sense. And that people like um, Zoe Quinn and Edith Sarkeesian and a lot of the writers are inserting politics into apolitical products. Which is impossible. There's no such thing as an apolitical product. Everything yeah. makes a political message whether it wants to or not. Yeah. But more importantly, a lot of these games make very interesting political messages. It's what makes you interested in them. Yeah. Also, have you played a JRPG lately? <laughs> They're all about killing God. If that isn't a political message, I literally don't know what is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and more so than anything else here, even let's let's say there, let's say in the worst case scenario, that there was a minor, a bit of uh, weird relationship got stuff going. This amount of harassment is not completely, excusable. Completely, completely unproportionate. Yeah, disproportionate to anything that is what going on here. What about the sites? Well, let's just like bring up another event that sure. happened: the Dorito. Thing. I mean, I think people got reasonably right, got right. angry about Jeff Keighley um, having Doritos in the in the foreground of his shot during a bunch of interviews, and that whole thing being sponsored by Mountain Dew and such. Right. Like, but people now. didn't break into like didn't people didn't call him constantly and dox him? No, because a he's a white man. Yeah. Um, but also, I really, really enjoy the idea that Doritos has some sort of political message they want to spread <laughs> about video games. I'm really enjoying that concept that these people should be as conspiracy theory. Obviously, they shouldn't. They should be no yeah. conspiracy theory either way. But I feel like if they go significantly crazy, like, you're right. We should be conspiracy theory about Doritos. <laughs> uh, In more serious attacks, people used the hashtag Gamergate to harass writers they felt were corrupt, including uh, Jen Frank, who wrote an article for The Guardian about the harassment of Quinn and Sarkeesian. Yeah. She actually had initially disclosed that she was a supporter of Quinn's Patreon, but The Guardian felt it was unnecessary legally. I'm just gonna, and I'm just gonna want to point out, The Guardian is a more than a hundred year old newspaper with who is highly respected throughout the world. They're the people who broke things like the Edward Snowden scandal, along with the Washington Post, and. To suddenly, like, to accuse them of having poor judgment. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. See, that's not what happened. Yeah. It was way better than that. Oh. It yeah. was way stupider than that. So the Guardian felt it was unnecessary because it is. It is, yeah. Yeah. The Gamergate mob jumped all over it. This story was updated to include the disclaimer at Frank's request, uh, according to her blog, mm-hmm. uh, but not before the rabble actually drove her out of games-related writing entirely, yeah, along yeah. with uh, Maddie Bryce and other writers that, honestly, I cannot remember. A lot of people left the industry last night. Yeah, um, I, I know a British writer, Lucy Morris, uh, mm-hmm. left the industry a bit. Yeah, it's like, and a lot of people are just going, like, what's the point? Now, like, here's the thing, though. For that Guardian thing, Yeah. again, she requested it be put in. They requested it be left out. Yeah. People have now taken, like, good on you, Guardian, for getting rid of per- corruption and nepotism in games journalism. What? Seriously. People attacked her Twitter page with stuff like that. Where she's like, yeah, good job for getting this corrupt Jen Frank. Like, no, she's not corrupt. She's actually one of the best writers we still have, or don't, I guess, anymore. So she's been writing about games for about nine, nine, nine years. years. So there, and, there goes that, I guess. And then eventually all of this stuff end up meeting in the middle where dozens of industry luminaries have been harassed. Developers, writers, PR people, everyone. Um, a lot As of people- we said, many people are leaving the industry or very seriously considering it. The attack on games journalism, corruption, and nepotism has exclusively focused on the minority voices of women in the industry and independent game makers, and not the vast majority of 
you know, white men or large multinational corporations yeah, I, who fly writers out to Hawaii and give out free games. The thing that, like, really pisses me off is that, like, a lot of this stuff is incredibly low stakes. Mm-hmm. Like, what is... Like, it, a lot of this stuff is, like... A lot of this stuff is barely even journalism. Let's be honest. Yeah, here. like I, I feel like, very uncomfortable calling game journalism. journalism. At the time I yeah. don't consider. I don't know if you consider yourself yeah. a game journalist. I consider no. myself a games. I write about games. Yeah. yeah, commentator, pundit, something. Yeah, because like we very. It's very rare that we go out and find people who actually like who actually talk to people. We construct articles or do reporting. A lot of it's stuff that we do on the show and on the site is commentating. Um, or anal, anal, analysis afterwards. So it's criticism and it's commentary and it's punditry, but it's not often journalism. Um, sometimes, I mean, the interviews tend to be close, maybe a little closer to that stuff. But again, like we're not going out and finding breaking There's no stories. Hard hitting information. Yeah. There's very little scandal. There's yeah. very little relevant, important things. At the end of the day, does it really matter? Yeah. Yeah. This is our hobby. Yeah. And and the thing is, and that's what drives me crazy about this, <laughs> that this seems to be more than a hobby for these people. Like, what is... That they self-identify as gamers. I Like, look, um, we part of the show's style guide, one of the first things mm-hmm. I wrote about before, before this show is that we're not allowed to say gamer. gamer as, we don't identify I, as it. We're not... That is not a word we talk about. Yeah, I just... But... And it's like, for a while it was stuff like... I just I don't like the idea of people I didn't like I, I'm not calling myself a movier mm-hmm. like I like movies but I'm not movie-er. but we we see yeah. gamer in the same way I see he, film buff yeah. or music snob where it's like that's all you talk about all you mm. think about which I don't think is a like and I don't think is a, a fair assessment of what a gamer is and I think that gamer has now just become an unusable word yes like I don't think anyone who self identifies as a, as a gamer is like self identifying with a very a toxic, toxic culture word. yeah you're 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 doing this on purpose you know that like this word is you know this word is poison basically. And that, like, it's inexcusable because it is because of a very certain... I don't know if it's a vocal minority. It's very clearly not the majority, it seems. Games are supposed to be fun. Like, that's... They're not, they're not, maybe not fun. Maybe fun's the wrong word. They're supposed to be collectively enjoyable. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be able to get together... At the end of the day, we're all supposed to get together and say, I am enriched by this experience that I had in this game. What this is not enriching. What this is is not help anyone. What this is is not... I don't, it's, it's exclusionary. It's exclusionary, and... I don't think it promotes. I don't even think it promotes. Um, I don't even think it promotes like healthy hiring practices. Um, like we gotta also consider that these are the same people who attacked a set of. These are the same type of people who attacked um, women for when Giant Bomb hired uh, two dudes instead of when a couple women said that uh, Giant Bomb was should have probably hired two women instead of two women or two more diverse characters than the generic white males mm-hmm. that they picked up. Um, they got harassed like heck because of this stuff. And this is the same group that says that says that there's nepotism. Well, of course, because you're encouraging nepotism, really. You you're are, in- and it's a tiny industry. Listen. Yeah. Is anybody and I and I saw this pointed out this morning, I yeah. think by Anthony Birch, who writes for Gearbox, has anybody has any and not to say this is necessarily an awful thing, but have, has anybody pointed out that uh, Justin McElroy, who's a managing editor of Polygon, hired his brother on to the team? Yeah. This is not what they're focusing on. Whether that's good or bad, I don't have an opinion yeah. on that. I don't think it's necessarily a problem. I think they're both fine writers. Yeah. But those aren't the people being targeted. Yeah. They they definitely they definitely aren't. And look, if you can't 
if you can't contribute to games in a way, if you can't contribute in a way that is... If you can't contribute to society the, in a positive way. In a positive way or in a way that, like, I mean, feel free to criticize. I mean, everyone, no one's perfect. But there's a difference between criticism and harassment. And, and hate. And hate. And this is, this is very, this is very much borderline hate speech in a lot of, a lot of areas. I know that a lot of these people live in the United States where, um... Uh, the freedom of speech is taken very, very seriously. But I mean, come on, guys! Like, it's, just, just what was it? People refer to uh, Jen Frank and Maddie Bryce as dominoes that'll eventually lead to the, to what? Yeah, exactly. what? What is the end goal? Yeah. That's what I want to know. What is the potential end goal of this scenario? What is this dark age of apocalypse esque future where there are no women in video games and all, and you get to enjoy them? You have defended, mm-hmm. you have defended your industry from these horrible social justice warriors. One it's, of the most telling comments I saw tweeted back at Tim Schafer was no you know like you should die whatever whatever epithet epithet no woman was interested in video games for 2005 what which is insane in terms of like literally you're factually incorrect but also so (laughs) I wasn't interested in video games before 1997 because I was a you know I was like three I was interested in vomiting and blocks (laughs) Yeah, I like, won't like when I get home tonight. I will be interested in sleeping, but I wasn't interested prior to that. <laughs> Does that delegitimize my enjoyment of sleep? Yeah, I it's it. I don't understand. I don't understand what post-apocalyptic goddamn future these people want, but they're definitely getting it. All right. Uh, okay, that's gonna be that, that's just gonna be it for this week. I'm producer Armand Bali, and I'm features editor Daniel Rosen. Built to play was made with the help of Emma Willing. For extended versions of the interviews you heard, you can check out our website builttoplay.ca. We occasionally post a few of those up, and we're available on Stitcher Radio and iTunes. Leave us a review so we know how we're doing, and more people can find the show. We're usually on the, on the air at the Scope of Ryerson at 1 p.m. Uh, check out the site as well for our upcoming theme month on virtual reality. Uh, starting Monday, you'll be able to find a primer on the site. Yay! Um, we're going to be start exploring VR and the senses. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at built to play and me personally at Flarkon. That's F-L-R-K-C-O-N. And I'm at Daniel underscore Rosen. And remember, video games are fun, guys. Please. Thank you so much for listening.